Welcome to episode three of the Zulu Fox Photo Podcast. On this episode, we're going to talk about that one question that all photographers, what's the best camera for me? What camera should I buy? That's a great question. It's a question I get asked a lot. And it's really, there's not one simple answer. I mean, there's so many different cameras out there. There's so many different ways that a camera can be used that it's not real cookie cutter on what the right answer is. Like the, the answer to my question generally is, well, what do you want to shoot? So based on what it is you're mostly going to be taking pictures of could really determine where you're going to start, you know, searching your, your camera model after. And with the many different kinds of cameras out there from digital SLRs, old film cameras, mirrorless cameras, uh, to even, you know, digital point and shoot. I mean, there's, a lot, there's so many options out there that there's no such thing as the one right camera. It's the one that right camera for you based on the type of shooting you're planning on doing. There's no such thing as the one size fits all camera. There's the one-size-fits-most camera, and again, comes down to whatever it is you're planning on shooting. And then a couple other factors, too, like what is your experience level in photography? What do you hope to do with your photography? Do you want a camera you can grow into as your skills get better? Do you want something that meets your needs where you're at right now for just simple you know, photo shoots or taking pictures of the kids for birthday parties? Or do you plan on doing commercial work? Do you want to shoot landscapes? Do you want to shoot portraits? Do you want to shoot product photography? Do you want a camera that does video also with the new digital cameras? I mean, that's obviously something a lot of people consider if you want to just have one tool out on the road with you where you're doing video and stills. A lot of the modern digital DSLRs and mirrorless cameras are great at video also. You don't need a dedicated camcorder and a dedicated camera to do both uh, types of production. So a lot of times it can be really advantageous to have a modern DSLR that can have the autofocus points so you can do run and gun video style like vlogs that you've seen on YouTube and still be able to take pictures while you're out also. So those are definitely things you need to consider. It's again just what do you plan on doing with the camera and then you can really start to narrow it down to what type of camera you want to buy or what type of camera would be best suited for your type of photography. And since film is a big part of my workflow I get asked often for people who want to get back into film or start shooting film what camera I would recommend and I usually ask them like what's their comfort level with photography in general not so much the taking pictures but the mechanics of taking a picture the exposure triangle how well you understand shutter speed and aperture and iso and how those three things play together to get a properly exposed picture because a lot of older cameras i'm talking like late 60s early 70s well and obviously way older than that didn't even have so much as a light meter, so it's completely up to the photographer to decide how they want to get the picture exposed. And then as you get a little bit into the mid-70s, you start getting match needle meters, so at least the camera kind of helps you out a little bit. If it's working, these older cameras, the meters have quit a long time ago. And so I, I want to make sure that the person understands what it is they're really getting into. Uh, it would be the same as if you, know, you were trying to talk to a new driver about you know, what kind of car they want, whether they want a stick shift or automatic. Depends on how much you want the camera to either help you or do for you. Um, when you start getting those late 70s, early 80s cameras, you find a lot more automation, stuff like automatic exposure based on shutter priority or aperture priority where you set one of the, of the options, like aperture or shutter, so shutter priority, you set the shutter speed and the camera picks an aperture for you, or aperture priority where you pick the aperture and the camera picks the shutter priority, picks the shutter speed based on your ISO, of course, and again, with shooting film, you have as much latitude as you do with a digital. You pick an ISO, your ISO is limited to what's on the film, or you can push it or pull the film also, but that's a whole other podcast on uh, pushing and pulling film. So anyways, if, you, if you're really comfortable with the, with the picture-taking experience on how you, 
how you meter for light, how you adjust for light, then the world's pretty wide open on film stuff. If you're really new to shooting film, I really recommend to somebody to get something that's got, um, you know, one of the automatic modes, an aperture priority or a, a shutter priority. An example of a shutter priority camera, a really good shutter priority camera, is the Canon AE series. So the AE-1, the A-1, and the AE-1 program all have, well, the AE-1, yeah. So the AE-1, the AE-1 program, the A-1 all have shutter priority. It starts at the AE-1 with a shutter priority, and you basically set the lens to automatic, and the camera picks the, ap the proper aperture for you based on the exposure. Uh, the A-1 and the AE-1 program offer... Um, more shooting modes where the A1 program has a program mode which means the camera does everything for you. It selects the proper aperture, it selects the proper shutter speed based on your ISO and the available light and you know the, the aperture range of the lens that's on the camera. The A1 you can select between the two. Uh, it has an aperture priority and a shutter priority mode. A1 program to go back also can just operate as a regular shutter priority uh, camera just like the AE-1. It just gives you that extra program level of automation to help with your picture taking. And so it's a, it's a nice thing to have and it's it's a great way to start getting introduced to film where you can take some of the guesswork out and where you can really work on just taking pictures and getting used to how film looks, how film feels, what shooting with film really looks like. And it's a there's nothing wrong with shooting in program. People will tell you you got to go all man, but I don't believe in that for a minute. You shoot what you're comfortable with, the camera will adjust to you. It's just a tool. So I basically just summarize it with this. Whatever your budget is for a camera, as far as a film camera goes, find cameras that fall within that range. The great thing about film cameras is you can find really kind of rough-looking models of high-end cameras that will be in your budget versus like really nice examples of kind of lower-end, less expensive camera also. So it kind of just depends. Once you find the feature, you can just go in there and go. And that's kind of a nice flexibility that buying used film cameras gets for you. When somebody asks me for help buying a digital camera, I usually just, it's the same thing I would tell them people like if they wanted to buy a new laptop. Like basically decide what your budget is and buy the buy the most expensive camera you can get in that range. And again, camera and lens. If you drop all your money on a just a body-only camera, you're going to really have a hard time doing without a lens. So maybe I'll I'll clarify that a little bit. Buy the best camera and lens combination you can get within your used markets. Great for digital cameras. Um, you can find some low shutter count models that'll work just as good. Go a couple years back. The cameras are just as feature rich as the ones now. Uh, new cameras are coming out every year, so the the companies do a lot of statsmanship to really up the reason why you should upgrade your camera every year. And a lot of times for most people, the, the changes in you know five more megapixels is not going to make that big of a difference. So buying a five or six-year-old camera and being able to put some really quality glass in front of it will do you a lot better in the long run than spending all your money on camera body and maybe a kit lens or you know a, an amateur level lens versus a pro level like the Canon L series. You'll do much better spending more money on glass. The glass also holds... When I say glass, I mean the lens. When you, when you buy a lens, if you're buying good lenses, good professional quality lenses, you will get your money back out of them should you want to sell them later on. Your body is just going to continue to depreciate in value over time. I mean, the camera body I shoot right now, I bought new almost two years ago, and to buy it now, I can get it for three or $400 cheaper. But the glass that would, I would put in front of it costs almost as much as it did when it so this will bring me into my next point, which is what is it you plan to shoot? So if you're going to mostly be shooting, I don't know, your kids, like snapshot kind of work, you know, you just want something that's going to document 
you know, family events or life events better than your phone will because cameras, you know, real dedicated cameras have a better dynamic range, which means the pictures look a little bit better. The pictures are more, have more depth to them. And, you know, it really comes down to sensor size on digital cameras. Uh, even a cheap digital camera is going to have a bigger sensor than what your cell phone is going to have in it, which means that much more information makes it to the camera. And therefore, you, you get a lot, you end up with a lot better picture. And so if you're just going to shoot, you know, family stuff, definitely stay low end. Maybe do a point and shoot camera or, you know, a basic mirrorless and you'll be more than happy. You will see a huge improvement over what comes out of your phone versus what comes out of a, a low end. And I use the term low end loosely, you know, digital camera, even the, the bridge cameras that Canon and Nikon and those guys put out where the lens is fixed to the camera, but it's, it's a versatile, usually telephoto lens. It gives you more options on zooming than you would with your cell phone. And those cameras produce great pictures. I wouldn't shoot anything professionally with them, but you know that's your choice. It's nothing saying they couldn't do it. You'd just be very limited in what you can do based on the lens that's attached to the front. Still, point to take home is that it will be better than your cell phone. And then another great starter camera is the Sony A600, I believe. It's a good introduction to the mirrorless system. And a mirrorless just basically means uh, the difference between a DSLR and a mirrorless camera is that when you're composing shots on a DSLR, you're actually the, the light's coming in through the lens, it's hitting a mirror, it's bouncing up into a prism, and then going to your eye, where the mirrorless system takes that piece out of it. So you, the other advantage is you have a smaller camera body. You have to accommodate the prism and the mirror box in order to make the pictures. You're basically looking exactly on the screen as to what the camera sees all the time, and a shutter closes in front of it in order to expose the frame. So. It's a smaller system, it's a lighter system, so if weight is something you're concerned with, like you're used to just carrying around your cell phone and you don't want a big bulky camera, uh, mirrorless is a great way to go, and I've recommended that to a bunch of people that normally shoot cell phones and they're looking to go a little bit better, and that Sony A600 is a great way to get into the system. And Sony Glass is great, the cameras are great, the A600 is a really well-selling camera, so you can find lots of help on you know any settings or questions you might have. And then going past the mirror list, like I mentioned on the DSLR systems, uh, your basic Canon, like T6i, T7i, whichever they're up to now, you know, here in the spring of 2019, actually winter of 2019, you know, the T7i, I think, is the top of the, the amateur level Canon cameras. You get the full advantage of having lenses you can swap out. Again, I'll go back on that Sony a600. You can also swap out lenses on that one too, which gives you that much more flexibility on what you're shooting. Uh, so if weight's not as much of an issue, the T6i is still a really lightweight DSLR. It has all the, the great bells and whistles that some of the Canon's professional level cameras have as far as the latest processor, uh, autofocus. Um, the camera's just as fast as some of their professional stuff. So if you're planning on doing a little bit of video, it's a great option. It's super light. There's not a ton to the body. So it's, a, it's another great system to get into. If you want to step up a little bit, Canon 77D, which is what I shoot, it's kind of a mid-range camera, a little bit heavier, has a little bit more features than like the T7i, and then uh, up from there is the Canon 80, 80D, which is their almost top-of-the-line crop sensor camera. Top of the line would be the 7D, and those are your those are the Canon crop sensors. Nikon has a range of crop sensors too. I'm just not as familiar with the model numbers to tell you here which one's which. I'm sure one or two Nikon guys who might listen to this eventually will tell me that I'm completely out of my mind. But either system, it just kind of depends on what you want. 
I will say one of the advantages of getting into the Canon's range of aftermarket lenses, so you can get really nice lenses for cheap, cheaper from not Canon. And so that's kind of something to think about if price is a concern as far as getting new glass. The Nikon system is great because any Nikon lens pretty much ever made fits every Nikon camera. I could theoretically take the 50mm I have on the front of my Nikon F3, which is a great film camera, and stick it on the front of a brand new D850 and shoot pictures with it. I mean, obviously I'll have to do a lot more manual stuff like selecting the aperture and manual focus, but the, the fact that you can go back into Nikon's range of really great lenses is kind of a nice point. The Nikons also tend to be a little more expensive than the Canons, but again, it's that budget thing. If you have the budget for it, go ahead and buy it. Just buy as much lens and camera as you can get, and those cameras will serve you well for several years. So I wouldn't, there's really no bad cameras out there. It's just a matter of how it feels to you, how it works for you, if it fits your workflow and what you want to do. So then that will bring us to our next point. Where do you go buy a camera? Depending on the kind of camera you want to buy, I mean, there's lots of great places to get them. Amazon, obviously, Best Buy, you know, any of the big box stores carry, you know, a, a pretty decent range of cameras. Obviously, a, a more dedicated electronics retailer like Best Buy will have more in the way of digital cameras. I know like Sam's Club and Costco offer digital cameras, but their range is kind of limited. Uh, Amazon, of course, you can buy anything there. eBay, you can buy brand new from eBay or, you know, get a camera that's a year or two old or has been refurbished by the manufacturer, and that's a great way to get into the sim also. Another place you can look, obviously, is to try and see if there's anybody selling their gear on Facebook or Craigslist, like we talked about in the last podcast. It comes down to film cameras. There's tons of places to buy them also. eBay, obviously, being the most expansive collection used film cameras and then to like Etsy and Facebook Marketplace and Craigslist. And if you give last week's podcast to listen to, I, I, I covered a lot more on buying cameras there and things you should look for and keep in mind. Um, with brand new cameras, you don't have as much of that. Usually it's just you're buying brand new out of the box. They have warranties, um, usually pretty generous returns from the store. So if it doesn't really work out for you, it's easy to take back. It's definitely a good time to buy cameras. It's just a matter of if the right camera comes along that fits the kind of work that you want to do and whether or not that camera. So like I touched on earlier, it just kind of comes down to what it is you want to shoot. If it's snapshots or landscape or, you know, whatever you want to shoot, shoot whatever you want. Um, the secondary part of it you look at is whether you want photography to be a hobby. It's just something you do for fun on the side, you know, you know, nothing special, nothing for money versus trying to make money. Obviously, you'll approach what camera you buy for shooting commercially, and I mean commercially as in you're taking pictures for money on a regular basis. And you're going to want to definitely look into what it is you plan on doing with it. Like a bridge camera wouldn't be great if you, because you're pretty limited so the type of shots. So definitely a mirrorless, a mid-range to higher end mirror or DSLR system is going to serve you better than a point and shoot per se. And so, and then I know people who make money, you know, shooting film cameras. So then the, there's a difference between 35 millimeter and full medium format. So it all comes down to why do you want to buy the camera? What is it you want to do with it? And that can definitely weigh into your decision. So, you know, if you're going to be a commercial wedding photographer, you're probably going to want something that's got dual card slots so you can be backing your pictures as you're taking them just in case one of your cards fails. If you're going to be shooting landscapes, you're going to want to uh, a full frame sensor generally because you want that bigger frame so you can run bigger glass. Uh, but, you know, there's nothing saying you can't shoot landscapes with a micro four thirds either. So, and that'll be another pod we talk about in all the different. So, yeah, just think about 
what you want to do with your camera. You know, obviously, if you're just shooting for fun, you have way more options because you're not as to what you... But there's nothing saying you can't get a just simple little point and shoot and shoot a wedding with it. You're just going to really be limited by what you can do just based on... Now that I think about it, we're actually, we'll do a really quick discussion on the different types of digital cameras. Um, we, we talked about mirrorless and DSLR. Those are the two main... Um, I guess you'd say mirror types or shutter types, which what word would be for it. But there's different sensor sizes that you'll see out there on digital cameras. They're the, the predominant ones are micro four thirds, APS-C, and full frame. And then there are some medium format digital cameras out there, but they cost more than both of my cars put together. So I won't. But micro, it just basically depends on the 35 millimeter film frame being the standard. And that is a full, a full frame digital camera has the same sensor surface area as a 35 millimeter frame of film. And so it goes down from there when you have an APS-C, it's a crop sensor camera. So basically you have to take whatever the focal length of the lens that you're shooting is, multiply it by 1.6 for a Canon anyways, and that gives you your equivalent focal length. So a 50 millimeter becomes a 72, 73 millimeter lens. So you actually end up getting a little bit of zoom out of your camera. Which can be nice, because if you're buying a crop sensor and you're shooting telephoto, you actually get a little bit more out of your telephoto lens than you would on a full frame. And then there's also micro four thirds, which is even smaller than the APS-C type sensor, but still bigger than the camera that's in your cell phone by far. And so any of those sensors are going to work really well. And it comes down to a weight consideration. Once you start getting into those bigger fuller frame cameras, you're carrying around way more camera to accommodate that sensor. So a Canon 5D Mark IV is going to be bigger than a Canon 80D, which is going to be bigger than a Lumix G9, which is a Micro Four Thirds camera. So if weight's a consideration, if it's you're going to do a lot of landscape and you're going to be out hiking and you don't want to carry a ton of, a literal ton of camera equipment around, Micro Four Thirds or a crop sensor is probably going to be the way you want to go, or definitely a mirrorless because you have way less moving parts in a mirrorless camera. One downside to mirrorless is that since your view through the viewfinder is a screen and on the back is a screen, your battery life tends not to be as good as it is with a DSLR, but I think they're getting now with mirrorless be pretty on par with each other, that the, the fact that it's running a screen all the time isn't that big of a deal. And to go back to on the film cameras, it comes down to how much automation. The more, the newer the film camera, obviously the more automation is going to be versus the older cameras like late 70s or early 70s versus late 70s. Even that's a big jump on how much automation is provide. If you want something that doesn't need batteries and you can go out and just shoot pictures all day and the only limitation is how much film you can carry with you, then you know early 70s cameras are great. But if you want some of those aids like aperture priority, you're going to have to shop for something a little bit, and I use this term loosely, newer. So there's just all kinds of things to keep in mind. It probably helps to write down um, what it is you're looking for in your camera and try and find you know a couple of cameras that fit into that niche for what it is you're trying, what type of photography it is you're trying to do. And I guarantee you there's a camera out there that meets. It probably won't meet all of them, but like I said in my last podcast too, is that the well, it's real easy to start going down the rabbit hole, looking at all the different cameras and want to try different cameras and go shoot different cameras. You can spend hours and days researching and looking and trying to find the perfect camera. It's not out there. You're just going to have to go grab the camera that gets as close as possible and shoot that camera and shoot it a bunch and get really comfortable with it. Learn its limitations, learn its advantages and ways that it fits into your workflow 
And sometimes you might just be wrong and the camera just doesn't work for you, but I'd be really surprised if you found a camera that didn't fit your workflow altogether. You can adapt pretty quickly to whatever piece of equipment you've got going on. So don't be afraid to go out and buy the camera that you, you want. And again, it's, it comes down to personal preference and there's no right camera. There's no one answer. I can't sit here at the end of this podcast and be like, you need to go buy this camera because that camera doesn't exist for you. I can give you some ideas and I can probably lead you down some some trails to, of cameras to go look at based on what it is you want to do, but I can't just definitively say there is the one be-all, end-all, lord-of-them-all cameras out there. It'd be really great if there was. Someday maybe somebody will put that camera, but as of today, that just doesn't. All right, well, thank you for listening this week. Uh, if you have any questions, you can always just drop me an email through this podcast. Uh, you can email me at headfox at zulufoxphoto.com. That comes straight to me. Also, I've been neglecting to throw out my website. The website is zulufoxphoto.com, and you can go and get the back episodes of the podcast if you go to zulufoxphoto.com slash podcast. Um, also, on my website is a collection of some of my photography. It's got links to my Instagram and my Facebook. Instagram is zulufoxphoto, and there's underscores between zulu and fox and photo. And on Facebook, I'm at Zulu Fox Photo. Also on Etsy is Zulu Fox Photo. And that's going to be it for us this week. Um, I really appreciate everybody tuning into this podcast. Those of you who have taken the time to listen, I really appreciate it. It means a lot to me just to see even two downloads. So if you're out there listening, I just know that I do appreciate it. And I'm glad that I'm not just speaking to hear myself speak. So wherever you get this podcast from, if you could leave a review or you know five stars, whatever the the system is wherever you get the podcast. I would really appreciate it. And again, if you have any questions, just feel free to drop me a line. I'll, I'd be happy to answer them. So until next week, this is Mike with Zulu Fox Photo, and glad you could listen. Have a great week.